Game begin. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dadgum Nerds, your podcast for family first, fanboy fun. Tonight, we have a very special episode 55 for you because it finally happened. All of the dads but me had to leave, whether through sickness or last minute dad events or other things. But this is why we love our patrons, because we sent out the bat signal and one of the hidden perks of being our true believer status is that you get to be our first go-to when we need someone in a pinch. So joining me tonight is the one, the only, Spencer. Good to see you again, Zach. I'm here. Now, I will say, though, that I finally figured out why you only uh, spell dark with a K instead of a C. You know, you always have to spell it correctly because, you know, you can't see in the dark. This is true. That's why you can't hear a pteranodon when they urinate. Because the P is silent. <laughs> you know? Uh, we get so, a lot of humor immediately. Sorry, Andrew. Anyway. <laughs> so buckle up, viewers and listeners, for the most pun-filled ride because Zach and Spencer are uninhibited by the pun haters of the world. It is going to be <laughs> epic. So welcome to the Punderdome. <laughs> so... Uh, we had to do a little bit of a pivot. So tonight we are going to be doing something a little bit unique. We're going to call tonight, mind your P's and Q's. What do we mean by that? Well, we reached out to our patrons and we asked for their cues. So we are having a special patrons only Q and a night. All right. But before we jump in, let's do our traditional dad check-in. So, uh, oh wait, that's right. All of our other dads are sick or gone. Uh, but I do have one quick story that I want to share. Ooh, so you may remember from a couple of weeks ago, Rowan coming out and going Velociraptors. They're, they're, they're bad news. They're, they're bad news. They're bad well, news. Uh, he did not want to eat this particular piece of food the other day. And he, he pronounced a condemnation upon this, this piece of food of biblical proportions oh, to the, no. to the point that like he made quite a scenario uh, he, there was this piece of food that he did not want to eat. And we we're like, buddy, why do you not want to eat this? And he, he gets really intense and goes, no, just throw it in the trash and then go outside. And the velociraptors and the alligators are going to eat it. And then they're going to go away and then they'll eat it. Give this kid a script book. Good grief. I, I was like, buddy, I mean, like, you still need to eat this, but, well, I mean, that was quite the, the tale. That, I mean, if what you... What were you trying to get him to eat? Like, it was, mashed it was, potatoes? No, it was ketchup? pizza. See, that's the weird thing is, like, I shouldn't have to try this hard to get my kid to eat pizza. But, I mean, he, <sighs> he got really elaborate. I mean, I was thinking this is, like, some sort of Greek tragedy of, like, Take it out of town and burn it and then take the ashes and scatter it upon the seas. I was like, what about dinner? <laughs> I suppose there's time for dinner and coffee. Okay. <laughs> maybe a quick cup of coffee. Then take him out of town and finish the job. There you go. <laughs> All right. There we go. Emperor's new groove quotes made after my own heart. <laughs> All right. That's the one and only dad in this episode check-in. So we're going to get to our first question right after this. 
All right. So, Spencer, uh, we've got a series of questions that have been submitted to us by our patrons on our patron-only Discord. One in on that action? Join the patron program. We have lots of fun. I mean, Spencer, as a true believer, you can vouch. I can. Like, we have got the shirt to prove it. Oh, look! He's got the official merch on. Look at that. I came prepared. Well done. Dressed for the occasion. Dressed for success. Always. So this first one is submitted by one of our Padawan patrons, uh, Josh McCoslin. Josh, thanks for submitting this question all the way from blustering Maryland. Uh, here, Josh asked, uh, I don't recall y'all talking about board games. Uh, what board games do you enjoy and what do you find to be some of the more interesting board game mechanics? Ooh, this is, can be fun. I mean, I, I'll tell you what, I find most board games flat out amazing. It really depends on the type of board game you have. Like, there's, I've played so many board games under the sun. Pandemic. Pandemic. Um, and that, and that was so much fun, fun. Risk. That was a long, long day that ended in a headache, but still fun. Um, I mean, that's why they call it Risk, is because yes. just by playing the game, you have assumed the risk. <laughs> you, you could re- lose friendships, that the risk is real. Well, I, can, I can't remember if I mentioned on this show, but Risk actually got banned from the Yoakum household for a little bit. Because I my brother and I, yeah, we got intense, man. Not just beyond board flipping. I mean, there was a chandelier that was cracked, a window that was cracked. It got intense in the Oakham house, man. What were so, you throwing that you cracked a chandelier? Well, my brother threw a hammer, a, a plastic like Playmobil hammer. Oh, across I th- when the you room. said a hammer, I was expecting like, you know, a an actual hammer. Yeah, like, you know, like, fr- like Mario Brothers, you know, hammer bros, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, that's what I was envisioning. Uh, well, no, I mean, he threw this thing and just absolutely nailed it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I think we did mention that on the show already. But anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. What are some other ones that make the, the spin uh, list? Plunder Chess is a really fun one. Wait, and as Plunder well as, Chess? Yes, you heard that right. Plunder as in you steal stuff. Chess as in the, the two, one-on-one board game. So Do tell. I found this game at so one of those really, you know, like, my parents, my mom took me to this really uh, interesting gathering of like people selling their various interesting supplies. I can't remember exactly what it was called. Convention, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. And this vendor had this chess set. And, you know, it's like everything was the same, except for on one side, it had these little rows of uh, this little pegboard with these little discs on it. And the huh. discs were, could slide over top of each of the chess pieces. They were specially designed to be a little skinnier. Now, the way it works is you play... Each piece normally, but if a pawn takes a, say, a knight, then that knight's power goes on to the pawn. And they can use that power once. What? And so you can have, a, but it uses, you know, the power's like, it can go forward, but it can still attack as a knight for one time. Oh. And as Ooh. soon as it's done, it's used again. And if you take another piece, then you can either keep what you have or change it out. So it has been happened before where a pawn has taken a queen. And so you have a, a pawn running around with a queen's power. It's like, all right, nobody move. I got one bullet in this gun, but it, it's going to hurt somebody. That is such an interesting di- – like, that completely changes the game mm-hmm. because, I mean, y- you've got the people that, you know, they say the true masters win, like, ten moves before the game is over. But in this instance, it's kind of like this loaded gun that you have no idea when they're going to pull out this one-time move. That is interesting. And it's like, okay, do I want them to let them take that piece? Because if they take my bishop with their uh, rook, then they have essentially two queens out there. 
because all of a sudden that a rook can t- have the bishop's power for that one time, and they can keep it and save it for something else. Wow. So, so you have now have layers upon layers of how do I win this game when uh, there's potential bad things happening, and if they take that piece, all of a sudden now they can have my king in check, whereas if it was just a rook or a bishop or whatever it was, it wouldn't. So it, there's so many different like uh, things you have to consider for that. It's but it's so much fun. The possibilities are chess endless. I mean chess. Yes, my friend. Um, you know that reminds me of a a meme that I saw recently that I I I, I lulled quite a lot. Uh, it was uh, Queen Elizabeth II and uh, the uh, the is it the, not the Bishop of Canterbury? Totally blanking on what his name is. The Archbishop. Archduke. No, no, oh, the Archbishop of Canterbury, and they're in uh, Westminster Abbey, which has a, a very famous checkered floor, and uh, oh, the, queen, yeah. the queen is standing just slightly in front of him, and it goes, tensions rise in Westminster Abbey. If the bishop advances one more space, the queen can take him. <laughs> I remember seeing that, and it looks like she's perfectly standing in her little square, and then he's standing in his little square, and I'm just like, oh no, I know how this ends. It's like, no. Queen, don't don't move forward. Or, oh, no. So uh, chess growing up for me was quite stressful. I played really? I played with my grandpa, who I mean he was dean of engineering at Ohio University, Ohio State University. Uh, he worked for NASA. Really smart guy, and he, he took it upon himself. Oh, a, a ton. Yeah, and he would terrify me because his thing is he taught both my brother and I how to play chess. And the way he would train us is my brother and I would like make a move and he abided by the old school rule that until you take your hand off, you haven't made the move yet. So my brother and I would, you know, we we would tentatively make our move. And then like right before we would let go, he would just look up and go, are you sure you want to do that? And then then, we completely like second guess ourselves. We could be making the best move in the game, right? Like we could be literally put him in a checkmate, but he would just get in our heads and be like, are you sure you want to do that? Well, I mean, the mind games in chess are real. And if you let your opponent try to, like, get in there, it's like, you don't want to do that. I'll easily take your piece. And they're secretly like, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. But but it's what makes it such, uh, I mean, that's why it stood the test of time. And chess mm-hmm. has still been around after, I don't know, that's a good trivia question. When was chess invented? I was about to say centuries, but, I mean, could it be millennia? Isn't there something, uh, like, it dates back to ancient Egypt? So someone someone slapped me up the head with some history knowledge in the comments. Let me know when chess was actually created. <laughs> um, but uh, other games, you, met, fun, you mentioned Pandemic. I actually had yes. a weird kick of really wanting to play the mobile app of Pandemic right when COVID really? hit last year. And Meredith was like, what's wrong with you? That's kind of <laughs> sick. And I'm like, well, in some small way, I feel like I'm helping. Well, uh, like the thing is like you weren't sick. That was the point. This is true. This okay. is true. But um, I, Pandemic, another, yeah. <laughs> And Pandemic is one of those games that it's like, oh, this is so cool. I can infect the world. And then all of a sudden it happened. It's like, oh, darn it. It can infect the world. Oh, um, yeah. this is actually a thing. So we've mentioned actually- we've mentioned all uh, board games. So are are you of the opinion that like a board game is strictly a thing with a board? Or would you consider just card based games like let's say like Go Fish or Dutch Blitz? Are those still board games or is or is that now it's just a playing game or a card game like those are two um, distinct categories in my brain i think i already and always had card game different than board game simply mm-hmm. because a card game 
is anything with a deck of cards, and a deck of cards is required. However, you can have cards in a board game. And hmm. so, like, if you play something like Monopoly, you have a stack of cards, and then you have the bills, which I guess technically can be considered cards if you, if you stretch the definition. But uh, it's like, I feel like I play, you know, several different uh, card games, both with just normal, you know, like cards and also collectible card games. And... I always kind of delineate that because uh, if you play something like Magic the Gathering, where it's like you have a very specific set of rules for this and you only your board can literally be anywhere that you are, then that is a uh, then that is your card game. However, a board game, you have to have the board, you have to have the set, things set up. And I feel like in my mind, they're two separate things. OK, now, I, I see for me, board game is just the overarching category. And then within board games, you have card games and then games that have a board. Uh, yes. So I, I would be curious because I guess most people just call it gaming. But when I hear gaming, I immediately go to video games, not necessarily mm -hmm. a physical. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I come in the same. Uh, like you have sports and then you have gaming, <laughs> which I hear as video games. And then you have board games, mm -hmm. which is a separate category altogether. By the way, I did a little uh, search here. It looks like 6th century A.D., according to the all-knowing Google, is when chess was first uh, invented. Hmm. Okay. So, so it, it's been a minute. So not quite millennia, but for a single millennium, it's been yes. around. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you know, give it, give it, uh, what, four, let's see, 600 more years, <laughs> it'll be millennia. Yes. Um, interesting. So uh, was it Egypt or did it say where? Just sixth century? Just, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, origin in India around sixth century AD. India? Well, yeah. Huh. So, and... Let's see here. One of the ancestors was Chaturgan. I'm not really sure. Sure. Just, uh, well, yes. Thanks and, for... And it's uh, a popular four-player game. Uh, so, India, thank you. It, huh. You did the world a favor. Well, thanks for checking on that, mate. No problem. Uh, so, uh, the reason I brought up the distinction between board games and card games is a game that I have thoroughly enjoyed for years is one called Dominion. Have you Ooh. ever heard of this one? I have heard of it. I've never played it. So uh, it, it won all sorts of game awards like way back, like even into the the like the zeros. Like I want to say it was like 2008. It won mm -hmm. a bunch of awards. But what I like about it is uh, you have a base set of 10 cards and each card gives you a, a certain abilities to buy currency to buy points so that yeah. you win. So that's that's the most basic summary of the game. But the the reason it is so interesting and I continually go back to play it is of those base set of 10 cards there are thousands of options to choose from like there's all these expansion packs that'll introduce a new set of like 60 of those cards so mm -hmm. even though each individual game has that base set of 10 mm -hmm. when you look at how you can combine all the different individual sets to create that 10 I mean, I'm no math whiz, but it's probably into the millions now of unique combinations that you can create. Out oh my of gosh, just that's 10. amazing. So I used to, I was that nerd that actually carried around this filing case. So it was about yay oh big. Oh my gosh. And I had, I had organized it to have like 10 different expansions worth in it, all organized by expansion, by release date in alphabetical order and this thing weighed like 32 pounds oh my word how I old mean, were you when you were doing heft. this i mean i was i was right out of college didn't have a girlfriend so all of my <laughs> all of my uh disposable income went to financing this little bad boy 
Um, cause there each expansion go. pack is not cheap. It's like 50, 60 bucks when they come out. Um, wow. but I mean, the, the, they're very well-made cards, great mm. art. And, uh, each expansion really does enhance the gameplay. But, uh, I, I got so into it. In fact, that I took it to my brother's school mm. and I had enough cards to actually conduct a tournament at his school. And it was really fun. Cause we had like four different stations going on. Cause you only need 10 of the base set to play. So out of the hundreds of different combinations that I had, we made four. Uh, but anyway, check it out. Check it out. Dominion. Dominion. Okay. Yeah. I'll Dominion. check that out. Tons of different ways to play it. Um, uh, any other ones that would make your, your, uh, top of the list when we think board games, card games. Um, the only other one that I'm thinking of right now is one called magic maze. Um, it's kind of a, basically a, a cooperative board game. And okay. you start off with one little tile and four pieces. And those four pieces have a color code to them. And uh, say we have four players. I can move up. You can move, or I can move north. You can move south. Andrew can move east. And then Trip can move west. Okay. We can't talk. What we can do, though, is oh. I can move any of the pieces north. And so, but, and, but I can't move any of the pieces any other directions. And I can't tell you the direction that I need to, want you to go because the idea is you have to go through, explore this big maze, find the hidden items. They're not, not really hidden. They're just like, as you explore the maze, mm-hmm. you got to find, and each character has to be on their own color of item. So like, it's basically imagine the way it's set up. It's like you have like a rogue, a, a dwarf and you know, like uh, an elf scout, and, like all these, they're trying to get their weapons before they go on an adventure, but they have to raid them all at okay. night. And so they're trying to sneak in, without telling anybody, steal what they need and get out. So the entire thing lasts, you're beating the clock. That is the entire thing. So you have a little two-minute timer, and without telling, saying anything except for at the beginning, and whenever you land on the timepiece, that's the only times you can talk, you have to be able to move all the pieces where they need to go, get all the, t- the pieces, uh, your things out, and then make it out of there without, uh, um, while coordinating all four pieces. It is intense. It is so much fun, but oh my goodness, you can it's only a, play this thing for like an hour before I mean, you're just burned out. It's, it sounds amazing. Yes, it is. Just don't get lost in that maze because you will go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> well, it sounds like it's got a lot of twists and turns to it. It, it does. It really but I does. do like cooperative games, and that actually reminds me of one without not communicating. A really simple game that you can get on Amazon now for like 10 bucks. It's called The Mind. Never heard of that one. Okay, so uh, I've actually played this one with Andrew, Brett, and Aaron at different occasions. Uh, but the way it works is there's a deck of cards mm-hmm. numbered 1 through 100. And then depending okay. on how many players you have, like round 1, everyone gets one card. And then round 2, everyone gets two cards. The mm-hmm. way it works is without communicating with one another, you have to lay the cards face up in ascending order. Okay, so, so is the is can you see the numbers or are they so face you down? Can, you can see your numbers, but you have no way of knowing what numbers everyone else has, and you have a certain number of lives. So, like, let's say I lay down a two, and then Andrew lays down a sixteen, but it turns out that Brett had the number eight, meaning that when Andrew laid down the sixteen, we were out of order. We were out of ascending oh, order. Then we okay. lose a life. So it's this game of like. Do I think I have the next card? 
do I think someone else has the next card? And you eventually get it to where each, like if you're playing with four, like each person has eight cards, which okay. means that you have to eventually put down 32 cards in ascending order without communicating. And so it's usually a lot of people going like, no, it's not me. Or like, is it you? Or I feel like I'm kind of close, but, but it's all hand gestures. Like you, you know, you can't communicate. Now you could obviously break the game and be like, it's like up. It's like two, three, it's like, but, up, but the down. whole idea, I mean, you, you break the game and it's no longer fun at that point. But yeah, uh, yeah. anyway, it's, it's a really simple game that you can play for about an hour. Cause I mean, it takes a little mental activity, but uh, let, let's say it, it's, it's still Kevin levels of mental fun. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll uh, leave it at that. Well, enough. all right. That, question, I, I, I like that. Like, I, I definitely want to check out some of these games. Yeah. Well, uh, I'd say for being our first token question, uh, thanks for that one, Josh. We appreciated that. You never, what you, you never know what you're going to get with these, stu- these, uh, these questions that are submitted, but you just roll the dice and see what you get, right? You roll the dice, you move your mice. Nobody, <laughs> Nobody gets hurt. <laughs> Mousetrap. I wanted to play <laughs> Mousetrap. <laughs> All right, what's the second right. question you got? Well, moving on to our second question. Uh, this, this one, I think we're going to make some enemies, Spencer, because uh, I think I know where you fall in on this spectrum. But the question is, who is your favorite doctor and why? Now, first, I would like to point out that this question does require some context. Because uh, I'd say, well, I don't know. I mean, my... My, my, my orthopedist is really my, good. Yeah, my orthopedist is pretty good. I mean, you know, he's... Yeah, until I have to foot the bill... But, uh, <laughs> uh, but he, what he means here is for the Whovians out there, Dr. Who. So who is your favorite doctor, Spencer? Out of the 13 oh, okay. available, we are now on 13 regenerations of our beloved doctor. I will preface this by saying that I got into Dr. Who in college and I okay. started watching it from the newest iteration. I've seen some of the old TV show, show with the different doctors. I have not seen all of it. I have not seen most of it. But I have seen just about all of... Um, oh, what is... Uh, I'm trying to... Blanking on the first guy. The guy with the big ears. Uh, oh, uh, oh. Uh, see, I started with him too. Uh, Christopher Eccleston. Thank you. Eccleston. Eccleston. And, and then I went through Tennant and then uh, Matt... Oh, I'm blanking on Matt Smith. Too. Matt Smith, thank you. And I watched a little bit of the, the newer guy, but not a whole lot. So. Peter, Peter Capaldi. Yeah. Peter, I would have to say, though, Tenet's my favorite. Uh, like, Tenet is kind of just, like, I love him as a character. And just there's so many good episodes during the Tenet tenure. I, I, he was the, uh, the 10th Doctor, too. So tenure is appropriate. Uh, is the doctor. He was the 10th. David Tenent. <gasps> it's so appropriate. It really is so appropriate. So when I, I love that Blink was one of my favorite episodes because mm. it was just, it just about blew my mind when I watched that the first time. Yeah, um, and then for the next forever, you started just looking down to see if you had any tally marks on you. <laughs> oh no, that that was a different one. Blink was the one with the weeping angel. Oh, the weeping angel. Sorry. Like Sorry, all of a sudden, like of- the peeling off of the wallpaper scene. Like all of a sudden, it's like it's like like you need to move now. It's like, I know, it. oh, not now, now, like, not later, but now. It's like, seriously, move now, now! And then she ducks, and she almost gets, like, oh, that is creepy. That is so creepy. Yeah, I, 
funnily enough, we actually pulled a prank on Caitlin Brown, uh, Aaron's wife, to where I found, uh, and they have this online, it was a progression of images of the Weeping Angels. You did. And we set it up as a rotating background on her laptop. Oh, you did. (laughs) So that like every 10 minutes it cycled to the next picture. And lo and behold, it worked because she was just, you know, studying away. This is in college. She was just studying away. And you're like, oh, that's weird. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I imagine uh, that uh, she was petrified after that. She was. And uh, it, it was a rather stone cold uh, prank, I'll have to say. But I don't I, Her life changed. So I, I don't know the name of the arc, but whatever those beings are that as soon as you look away from them, you forget they exist. The silence. The silence. The silence. That's it. So yes. I, know, I know that wasn't Tenet. That was Matt Smith. But just mm-hmm. everything about that arc. It's <laughs> creepy. That, that, that'll give so you chills. Creepy. Especially the, the Apollo mission or uh, the Apollo moon landing. That whole scenario where th- yes. that whole thing uh, where you're know, like, Oh look, I have this you know really cool you know phone. I can t- or this you know it's a digital camera. It's like I don't know what that is, and it's like well I won't I won't remember you after this, so I'm just going to you know just you know, you know t- record this and you know people will remember it later. And that was just so like oh that is so so amazingly ri- I don't know I will always praise the writing of Doctor Who. They've had their off mm-hmm. episodes, but they have such solid solid uh, episodes and arcs in their story. Yeah, I mean, I, as imperfect as, I mean, you can poke so many holes in the timeline and there's so many times where they just kind of pull out well, a, a, a day ex machina for, for well, something to happen, but... That's not the point of the show. Yeah, though. when like, you just have fun with it, mm-hmm. which is what it's meant to be, right? Especially when you watch the earlier ones. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I know everyone loves Tom Baker uh, as, as, you know, the doctor number four but man those are so hard to get through with modern eyes but they were having fun you know i mean especially what was it k9 the robotic yes. dog i mean yes. that's just, it's just fun and i mean i i like you i i started with the the new generation of doctor who so i started with um uh christopher Eccles, eccleston mm-hmm. uh he was my first doc and uh, as soon as the Daleks came on, that's when I started to realize, all right, yeah, this has a history to it. Like, this doesn't look like a villain that's, I mean, this is, this is a cone with plungers. Uh, well, and I was about to say, like, when you have the plunger getting uh, evil guys uh, fighting off uh, the cyber uh, evil guys, it's like, and the Cybermen look like, these guys look like they step out of the 80s. And it's like, yep, math checks out. They came out of the 80s or something. Yeah, that's exactly when they came. But but it's a fun show. But to to answer the question, I would say my favorite was actually Matt Smith. So okay. while David Tennant is that classic zany, uh, the only reason he didn't instantly connect with me is I couldn't get hit past him being Barty Crouch Jr. from Harry Potter. So uh. so for me, it was like, oh, this is Barty Crouch Jr. in uh, you know a new context which I know is a sin because for everyone else, this is his definitive role. And then everything else is the next thing that he's done. Yes. Uh, but uh, I liked Matt Smith because I felt like he just had this aloofness to him and yet was just fun. His, the first time that we meet uh, Emily Pond. Emily and, Pond. Uh, oh, 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 was it Emily or, you know, Amy Pond. Sorry, I, I'm Amy getting Pond? my, my yeah. 
I, and uh, when they first meet, and that whole episode of him, you know, with the fish sticks, it's like, it's like, oh, it's like fish sticks and you know, uh, pudding, or you know, he goes through the, all these iterations. I gotta find one of my favorite food. It's like toast. I love toast. And then later, tosses it out the window and stay out. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't know who this man is, but I love this. I, I, I have like. He is an awesome doctor. I still like Tenet. I think Tenet's, he was the one I really connected with, but Adam Smith, uh, such a good episode. Yeah. A good doctor. Yeah, Matt Matt Smith, uh, he, he was my favorite. I, I, Peter Capaldi, I thought, did an admirable job, especially considering, you know, they kind of swung to the op- opposite end of the spectrum as far as age. Um, and then I will I will readily admit that I haven't, I haven't given Miss Jody a chance yet, not because I don't want to. It's because I started having kids <laughs> right around when they started airing. And uh, this is certainly a show that Meredith has zero, probably negative interest in watching with me. <laughs> so between all the other shows that I have to keep up with on my my Zach want, only time, it's like, do you want to watch Doctor What? Who? Oh yeah, that's him. No, half of half of that conversation would be like, wait, Doctor Who? I'd be like, who's on first? Kind of conversation <laughs> with Meredith. Being married to you must be amazing. Just, just, I, I give mad props to Meredith for. Yeah, I was gonna say you know, more more like pray for Meredith. uh all right well thanks for submitting that that was that was a good one um all right next question this one was submitted by none other than spencer himself um so this one i really liked it was basically talking about what are your nerd cornerstones so what are some standout ips that each of you have devoted a lot of time or mental capacity to so i'm gonna i'm gonna call this what are what are your nerd sponsors like what are what are those IPs that you stand on the shoulders of to to prop up your nerddom? So mm-hmm. you asked this question, Spencer. So uh, I want to hear your answer first. Okay, so I'm gonna try. I ha- I feel like that you can have more than four, but these are the four that really come to mind first off. Okay, my really my journey as far as you know getting into this whole thing started with Star Wars. Yeah, and Star Wars is like the first <laughs> pillar that. And when I uh, when I was a kid, my I was a very touchy, like insensitive kid. Like you know, the weirdest things would be you know, kind of like I just couldn't watch. It would drive me crazy. Like really hmm. Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. It's still a, a a story that like I could not stand that movie because the kids were not obeying their parents. I was that kid. <laughs> wow, there's was, a lot of movies you can't watch if uh, <laughs> kids disobey their parents. Well, well it was also things like uh, watching um, Honey I Shrunk the Kids. That one gave me nightmares because you oh. had these giant ants and scorpions with these little tiny people. And hmm. my parents were like, okay, we can't let this kid watch this. But then we go to my cousin's house and they have Star Wars, A New Hope, the cantina scene <gasps> on the TV. As soon as I walk in, my parents are like, oh no, oh no. What's There's literally a do? giant ant slash prey mantis in this scene. <laughs> and, and I'm just kind of like, I look at it and. <laughs> Bust a gut laughing at the screen because my really? little, I don't know, seven-year-old brain, it's like, I don't know if it's just like, no, this is so ridiculous, it can't happen. Or it's just like, I don't know what this is, but I love it. But either way, I sat there and watched the rest of that movie with my cousins because it was like, this is fascinating to me. I love this. So from then on, I, my parents got the the movies and my, I sat down and I watched all of them many times. Uh, I've you know played games. I've read books. I've done a lot of things. Star Wars is definitely the first pillar. Well, hey, so, mo- what, what a what a heck of a force to have behind your initial launch into fandom. 
Yes, it will be with me always. Even if it was a long time ago. And a galaxy far, far away. Mm -hmm. So for my next one, a friend of mine that I've had for a long, long time, It I know this might just seem like a cop-out because I'm another major IP, but it, it's kind of there because uh, Lord of the Rings hey, was the listen, second listen, major Listen, we need to put this out there. There is no shame in, in having... What I, it's funny because I say mainstream, it's still nerddom, right? But I mean, like, mm -hmm. there's no, sh there's a reason these are pillars is because they have stood the test of time. Mm -hmm. Aaron, I, I, anyone? Aaron, somewhere out there, <laughs> somewhere, Aaron is, you know, beating his chest in, in agreement <laughs> with us. Well, it's like, again, Lord of the Rings, a friend of mine, he had like the figurines. He had like just, in, he was an artist and he had drawn a dragon from Lord of the Rings on his ceiling. His mom was like one of the, the coolest moms out there because she allowed you know this. But he had just done everything, and he watched these movies over and over again. And I, I finally sat down and watched them with him one time. Like, it's like the first one, oh, it's a little slow. It's kind of cool. I like the characters, and then the second one, like, ooh, this is interesting. Then I watched the third one, like, oh, that that was a good good series. So all that together, I like I again played some of the games. I've read the books several times, mostly the audio book with you know the Hobbit and then mm -hmm. the. All that's like really, really good stuff. And so I would have to say that that's like kind of has my Star Wars in one hand, my uh, uh, Lord of the Rings in the other hand. It's like sci-fi and fantasy. So All right, solid so far. I'm, I'm yeah. liking the building of this, uh, this nerd house. Keep it going. So the third pillar would be a mostly just a book series. So there is a book series called, um, well, it's basically, a, it's called The Cosmere. By Brand and it's Brandon Sanderson. It's not necessarily a book. It's a series of various different books that are all interconnected. The right now, there's me. well over a dozen dozen books, and each one seems like they're on, a, or most of them seem like they're on a different world. Hmm. And they, some of them are, but they're in the same universe. And when you first okay. read them, it's not obvious. But there's one character. There's one character that's in every single book, and he's a background character. He's like a character that you don't, you only recognize him because they describe him, and he's kind of similar. Or sometimes he doesn't have the same name, but he always knows more than he should, and he always kind of pushes people in the direction that they should go. Huh? Did and you so, ever watch Fringe? By chance? Uh, the, like a little bit, just a little bit. Okay, it reminds uh, me of the the bald man, to where he he makes like a, a a really obscure appearance in every episode, and you have to look for him. But anyway. Well, this guy, basically, like you have uh, the Mistborn uh, trilogy, which is basically imagine a world of uh, mist and ash and people who can ingest metal that gives him magical powers. That's, that's, the, that's the, 30, you know, the five second version of this. Then you have another area that has a, a landscape that is nothing but crustaceans and rocks and ravages by storms that are so powerful they can throw boulders into houses and smash them to bits. And these happen every like, Does that every make them week. Crush stations? Uh, they can be if they get in the wrong spot. And when the, but they ha also have magical powers based on, uh, it's like it, basically the light coming from the storm. It's called the Stormlight Archive. Is, and right now it's going to be a 10 book series, and they're on book four. And so. Wow, a 10 book series? Oh, oh we haven't even started on the. Uh, he's, this, uh, he's writing these as an event, but he's like written other stuff in between writing these books. Wow. Man, this, this man is a machine when it comes to writing. No kidding, like 10 book series. I mean, that's a lot for some authors' lifetime. <laughs> and so there's just so many other various things. And each one, you can find either an appearance or an entire, like 
a Hoyd is the name of the character, and he shows Hoyd? up a Hoyd, H O I D. A Hoyd. Okay. Yeah, and he shows up a lot in the Stormlight Archive books. Well, that makes sense because bo- people are going, "Hey, a Hoyd there! Hi, hi, Hoyd there! A Hoyd!" <laughs> but uh, it, like he always knows more than he should, and it's it's a great series, and that's one like I've developed devoted so much time into that uh, book series, and there, I, if you just basically throw a dart at any of Brandon Sanderson's books, and you'll have a good time. Like, just pick one and read it, and you'll enjoy it. So how do you spell it? So Kashmir or? Cosmere. Cosmere. Okay. Yeah, so it's, uh, you Like the word cause and then mirror? Yes, pretty much. Like Brandon Sanderson, Cosmere. If you get anywhere close to that, somebody will, uh, will correct you. And, but it's a sounds fascinating. Oh, it's incredible. So what's, uh, what's number four? So, so we've got (sighs) solid Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, I like throwing out a kind of unique one. I've not heard of it before, but Cosmere. Yeah. What, what's and the fourth? The fourth one is actually a game that I've basically used as a, like, always go back to, to well, I guess this is my uh, this more recent event, but I'll, I'll, go, I'll stick with it. It's got to be Overwatch. Overwatch. Lo- yeah, you mentioned that like, in uh, your, your last episode with us. I've played that game since it came out, and it is a... Uh, such a fun game. I'm really looking forward to the number uh, two, but have you ever seen these short films? These oh, little sh- uh, they're excellent. I mean, I that, was almost disappointed they didn't come it. out with a miniseries. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember watching the one on uh, the two brothers. That, yes, the it's dragons. like the, the samurai. I mean, I, I will readily admit, I teared up at the end of that one. I thought it was amazing. It, if you want, it's like, I'll give you a fair warning, but you will, if you teared up at that one, you definitely tear up at this one. The one that's, uh, it's, oh, uh, Rise and Shine. It's, Rise and Shine. It's, it, get a box of tissues with you. It, it's, it cuts deep, but it's, it's a very, very good story. So, and it's only like 12 minutes long. Also, uh, The Last Bastion is also one of the, those, it's, it's a silent little movie movie with mm. incredible aesthetics and that's what sold me on this game originally because i was like oh this looks interesting and then i watched one of the short films like oh pretty and then all of a sudden i get you know watch the second one like okay i guess i'm spending 60 bucks on this i wasn't anticipating this but i'm, I'm gonna do it and play the game and because i love the lore i love the world i love every the, the story behind everything about it i just have just you know, arms, you know, elbows deep into this game. So, I'd say that those are the four pillars of my nerddom. At least as it's, it's <laughs> those are right four now. solid pillars. I, I I would go into that house of nerd. I <laughs> sign, sign me up for that one. Well, I I guess to save time, I'd say that uh, we share two of the same pillars. I'm uh, guessing Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. Guilty. I mean, I know this comes as a huge shock to anyone who has listened to the show for any amount of time, but uh, respect I, the headphones. Star Wars. I mean, that... I felt uh, the disturbance in the Force. I it. <laughs> Very similar to you. My first one was uh, A New Hope. You know, my mom had the, the VHS box set, and my brother and I, you know, as soon as we were old enough uh, to appreciate it, uh, we watched those, and I remember just being fascinated with the world. And, of course, what, what little boy doesn't want to use the Force and go out and play lightsabers in the yard? So that, this I was the first time <laughs> I felt like I was truly, truly part of a greater world. Uh, and then Lord of the Rings came in and that was almost like, all right, now I can take this geekiness and there's a like grown up version. Cause I, I, I'll admit when my uncles first went to go see the fellowship of the ring and then the two towers, 
I was still young enough that I thought these are boring. <laughs> but like, like where, where's the lightsabers and the blasters? Um, but when, when return of the King came out, I was, I was started, I was old enough and I was able to read the books, uh, mostly due to the encouragement of Aaron and other friends in homeschool circles. Like you gotta read the books and you'll fall in love. Well, gosh darn it, they were right because <laughs> I read the books and then went back and watched all three with the proper context of like, no, th this isn't boring. This is incredibly deep and detailed. When you uh, have to, like, you're literally cutting the peaks off the mountains there and like hitting just the high points, but there's so much detail. Oh, there's so much depth. And funnily enough, the first book that I read was actually a school assignment. For Ooh. school, I had to read The Silmarillion. And... You would think good school. Uh, I mean, well, it was it was actually amazing because it was uh, it was we, for that year we were studying ancient history, and the the teachers had us read that as a way of introducing what a history of a culture, what lore looks like. Because you know when Tolkien, an example when, of that. when when Tolkien first started out, he was trying to create a lore and mythology for England. Because he felt like, you know, you had the Arthurian tales, but nothing really predating that. And so that really? was... I didn't realize that. Yeah, well... That, That's so, so cool. So, I mean, it wasn't like he met with scholars, and but that was his initial, like, the desire of his heart. Is he, along with Lewis and a lot of his contemporaries, I mean, they studied Nordic lore and ancient Middle Eastern lore and huh. all of these other histories and lore pantheons that had, you know, back into the BCs of stories, whereas King Arthur... I mean, King Arthur barely's, you know, into the, the, I mean, shoot, King Arthur, I think is only like into the triple digit ADs. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, he wanted something that felt ancient. And so mm -hmm. that's, that's where, you know, you have the creation story and all that. Anyway, I digress. Uh, once I read the books, then I, it really catapulted my fandom. And then I remember I, I really got into the third age RPG, mm -hmm. uh, Lord of the Rings game. And, oh, is that the one that has, is that the fighting uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it's it's classic like Final Fantasy style to where you go up against gotcha. an enemy. It's turn based. You have attacks. You can you know yes. RPGs. So I, much I actually fun. played that game. That oh, was really? such a good game. Yeah, yeah. Well, my brother and I were those guys that would grind and max out our characters before we left Moria, which is like the second level, and then just slay the rest of the game. But yeah, we would sit there for like you know six hours just grinding the same move <laughs> on these bottomless bottomless goblins so that we could level everyone up and then just ease through the rest. But, uh, so star Wars, Lord of the Rings, my next one has to be Harry Potter. Okay. So solid pick Harry Potter. So it was kind of the interim for me between star Wars and Lord of the Rings. So it, it, it was almost like the bridge between what I consider like childhood nostalgia fandom, and then kind of the more maturing of that into adulthood. And so that was Harry Potter. So, I was that kid, and I mentioned this in our Harry Potter episode, I was that kid who refused to get into Harry Potter because I just had to be different. And, you know, everyone's like, Harry Potter's amazing. I'm like, well, I'm not going to read it because everyone else is into it. And my poor grandmother bought me the first two books, and I was like, thanks, Grandma, and then stuck them in a box up in the attic. Aww. And then one random January, I just happened to see the first Harry Potter movie come on. And so this must have been like 20, like, 2003 because i mean the movie had been out for several years but again you know i just i, I wasn't gonna get caught up in the hype i was gonna resist it but then i saw the movie it was like oh wow that's really cool went up to the attic read those two books 
and then I like devoured the first five books. Like you resisted that it for summer. so long, then all of a sudden, Aloha, Mora. <laughs> it unlocked my fandom. You're absolutely right. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I I was that kid that only read the books. I listened to podcasts in the mid 2000s. Like before what, podcasts became before what podcasts they are today. were, you know, now here I am recording a podcast, but like before podcasts were cool. I mean, mm-hmm. I was like listening to their theories: is Snape good? Is Snape evil? Is he somewhere in between? So, I mean, I I got that deep into it. Like, if anyone knows awesome. MuggleNet, I mean, I was I was like a a card holder fan on MuggleNet and the Leaky Cauldron, which was their UK based equivalent. So, uh, I so so far at Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. And then the last one, if I had to really think about it, it's hard, but I'd have to say Legend of Zelda. Yeah. And okay. so, and so the reason that. the reason I say Legend of Zelda, because uh, I, I was torn to also say Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind, because I owe all of my love for anime to that movie. Oh, but, but I feel like Legend of Zelda, in a way, does predate that. And I would say kind of, while it is not anime, at least enters you into the more Japanese form of storytelling. But it while everyone else was playing Goldeneye and Star Fox and Mario and Super Smash Brothers, I remember just falling in love with Legend of Zelda and the whole idea of going on a quest, dungeons being more problem-solving, puzzle-based, while still having this epic story that you're progressing on. Because, I mean... Awesome. That that led me to other. I mean, not only I, I've been a faithful follower of all of the the major console Legend of Zelda games that have come out, but I mean other other games like Skyrim and uh, I, I would even say more like story based adventure games like um, uh, oh my gosh, Drake Uncharted. Oh my gosh. Oh that's yeah, yes, uh, it, Nathan Drake's uh, Uncharted. Un, yeah, like the Uncharted series. It kind of got me into those games. Like, all right, you keep your your uh, first person shooter games. I want the puzzle adventure games. That's puzzle my adventure games. Uh, th- they always sucked me in. Like no matter what form they arrived in, if it was a puzzle game of some description, uh, it's like just sign me up. It is uh, always a great time. So that is awesome. Oh, now what is your favorite Legend of Zelda game? I gotta ask. Okay, so I, I'm prepared for this one, and we actually need to have an episode dedicated to Legend of Zelda because I can talk me some Legend of Zelda. So this one, this one is such a hard one, but now undoubtedly. Uh, it, my order is now Ocarina of Time just mm. because I think that game, even though the graphics will hold you back, even if you play the remaster, it is still just a masterwork. Everything from the music to the game structure to it, just everything about it. And then it, the only reason that's on top is it's got nostalgia value because a close second is Breath of the Wild. I mean, that game yes, is just yes. incredible. I mean, it, it was Skyrim for Nintendo is what it was, but done so beautifully. I, I have I found myself constantly with my jaw dropped It just whether with the simplicity of a little melody that was playing as you were going through a forested region or the grand like, oh, my word, it's all of Hyrule and I can't see the edge and I will run yes. for two hours and not get to the edge and have a thousand things to do. Um, and I mean, then, and then after that, it would be Wind Waker, and then Twilight Princess. I lo- Twilight Princess was my first one. I never actually mm-hmm. had a a Nintendo uh, 64. Game. Well, like my friends did, but I the only thing that I had uh, that was Nintendo was a Switch, or no, no, not oh. Switch. Um, a, 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 a Wii. A oh, Wii, Wii was the first one that I got that I actually bought myself. That 
and I played any Nintendo games on. So it was either computer or later on, like when I was in 16, it was an Xbox because that was like, it was either Wii, Xbox, or and that was pretty much my two options. Like, well, I don't feel, I'm not that great, you know, keen on the Wii. Maybe I'll get the Xbox. So I played Twilight Princess and I was like, this is fantastic. This is mm-hmm. amazing game with storyline. And I kind of really like the darker tone that that game seemed to have. Like I've seen the other games played, but I'd never actually just dug into it. And that it was just the, yeah, I don't know. I just love that game. Well, what's interesting is all of the OG Legend of Zelda fans would be like, what do you mean it's a new concept? This is basically linked to the past with Light World and Dark World. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, for the for the modern generation, it was the first one that had a little bit more of, yeah, that dark kind of unearthly, eerie kind of tone mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. Uh, it. But the other thing I really respected, and it's even more evident with the way video games are just being churned out today, is they waited. I mean, I remember being just, I, I mean, I, I felt like my heart was ripped out when I was so ready to play that game on GameCube. And then they said, hey, the game is not where we want it to be and we're going to delay it. And I remember at the time being like, how dare we've we been waiting so long. But now you see so many games that you can tell that it was more the people holding the money bags and not the people holding the artist pin making decisions. And games are buggy and the story doesn't make sense. And Good on Nintendo for even back then being like, you know what? It's not where we want it to be. We don't want to send it to you until we're proud of this game. And man, yes. with, now now granted, there might have been a little bit of marketing gimmick as well because when it was finally released, it was you can buy it for the GameCube or, oh, look, there's motion controls on the Wii. Um, so maybe there was a little bit of marketing involved or where they purposely Probably. delayed it. But uh, still a masterful game. And uh, my brother and I, we were like, we're only going to get the GameCube version. Because, uh, <laughs> fun fact, in the GameCube version, Link remains left-handed, which he has always yes, been left-handed. Be- and then he changes to right-handed because the Wiimote was Right, because they're know, like, this right is going to confuse players that are majority right-handed. And so they literally just mirrored the world <laughs> so that uh, while he is still left-handed, according to the game code, the player will experience it right-handed. So some poor person had to flip it and then make sure that any text that was written was flipped as well, even though a majority of it is in Hyrulean. So, I mean, props to you if you can read it. But yeah, fun fact. They <laughs> That's just why I couldn't everything. read it. It was backwards. Oh, it was backwards, Hyrulean. I can read Hyrulean forwards. I mean, see, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Of course you can. <laughs> but I, I'm just glad that even with the delays, they didn't try force it through. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yep. That would... And I always like it when they actually take the time to make a good game rather than trying to get it out for the bottom line. Yeah, I mean, I think they showed a lot of wisdom and and courage. And I mean, I, dare I say power in that decision as well. So, all right. Well, that was that was a fun question. All right. So uh, we're going to move on to a question that comes from Daniel Sherman. Mr. Sherman on the board. All right. Mr. Sherman asks, if the Mandalorian is the springboard for the continuation of the Rebels storyline, live action or animated, would you be disappointed? All right. Pull up a chair because I have got a hot take on this one. Oh, no. Mainly because what has become of the Bad Batch, which is basically David Filoni's chance to just continue and close out all of the Clone Wars timelines that he wants and give us unasked for prequel stories to all of Rebels without telling the Bad Batch's story. Like we've gotten so 
consumed with telling all of these other characters stories that I still know nothing about Hunter, nothing about Wrecker, nothing about tech. And Lord knows the other day, I even forgot the name of Crosshair because he's just sniper guy. (laughs) Omega has progressed none. We know just as much about her now as we did arguably in episode two or three. I mean, there's been little tidbits here and there like, oh, you're an exact clone. But but I mean, like, look at her skill progression. Well, things like I would much rather I would like this series a lot more if they had, you know, I've seen, you know, doing this episodic route where you do like, okay, sure, you introduce characters from other things. That's fine. But you still have to have those nuggets of growth for your main characters. If you, you don't, have to why advance am I watching? the main storyline. I mean, like th- if it, I pick up, if I watch episode one and then skip to episode seven, I shouldn't be able to see the exact same, t- same characters that I watched in episode one. They should be different. No, if I, they're not, bad character development. My, my argument is that you could watch uh, Bad Batch episode one, two, eight, and this most recent one, which is 14 out of 16 episodes and not be lost. I'm a little bit behind, so I'm, I need to catch back up. But yeah, well, I, I mean, th- this is only a 16 episode season, so they either need to give us a season two, or I'm just gonna be like, Bad Batch. Don't call it Bad Batch. This is just Clone Wars season eight versus and and, and Rebels season zero. <laughs> um, but uh, why I bring that up is because I don't want the Mandalorian to be a continuation of the Rebel storyline. I want it to be its own story. Mm-hmm. Like, listen, I love that Ahsoka came up and had that that whole episode. And I mean, I think I mean, I've absolutely loved how Rosario Dawson played the character. And I'm excited that, you know, they 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 dropped the T word Thrawn. So I, like, I'm OK if there's a repeat of some characters that we've seen, but give them something new to do. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want it to just be a huh, made a cameo and then off into the sunset again. Like, I well, want it to progress the universe storyline. Like, well, if you have, um, you know, Star Wars itself is a very large and like it is a huge, huge galaxy. It's a and galaxy if, you know, if, far, if you far use, away. Like it doesn't have to continue. Like if it is, I'm not sure if I care personally. Like if it if it does actually end up going, you know, the way of you know the continuation of the Rebel storyline, I'm not sure that I care all that much. However, I do want it to have, you know, a good story in the storyline i want to make sure that the characters they're not just gone if it's happening at the same time or close to the same time as this sure it makes sense that they might and cross paths with this you know re- uh, with this mandalorian who's you know taking a baby on a walk so when you just got to make sure that it's a, it's a uh, it makes sense and it's like all of a sudden you're trying to shoehorn in it's like oh because the rebels did this we have to make sure that we include this and it's like no 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 the Mandalorian needs to be its own show, but it's involved the same universe. So let it encompass the other show without being defined by the other show. Yeah. And I think ultimately it's, I'm fine with you telling the stories of other characters, but it can't be at the detriment of the new characters you've introduced. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I need to see uh Din Djarin advancing, which I mean the character progression between season one of two of Mandalorian and his relationship with the child, I thought was incredible up until that heartrending moment when he hands it to Luke because he knows it's the best decision for the child. So uh I, now granted, Daniel's question said the springboard. So he may be saying, hey, it's the launch point for shows like Ahsoka, for shows like um <laughs> not the sheriffs of the New Republic. It's something else. That would be really interesting. 
Y'all in my town. Well, I'm the sheriff here. Yo, badge, ching, ching. Well, I mean, they kind of did that. They, they kind of did that in uh, Mandalorian season two when they go to the Tatooine town and that that guy's there um, blanking on his name. I know he's he was a new character that was introduced. All I know is that he's played by the same actor that plays the really like self-assured, smart alky salesman oh, from the that office. Guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. all I knew him from. I was like, hey, it's that I, guy from the office. I hated him in the office. In, 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 well, you yeah, were anyway. meant to. You were meant to. You were you were meant to hate his perfect face. Um. <laughs> But uh, so I'm fine if they use it as a way of reintroducing these. But as long as they just explore those in Ahsoka and Rangers, that's it, Rangers of the New Republic, then I'm fine. Okay, yeah. Just don't dilute the waters of the Mandalorian at the at the expense of them taking over Mandalore. Because that's, that's the clear path forward for Mandalorian season three is, mm-hmm. all right, so you have now won the Darksaber by Mandalorian right, but yet Bo-Katan is the one that really wanted to go back and liberate this planet. Now what happened? And, you know, the only way to for her to get back the Darksaber would be to defeat slash kill Din Djarin in a duel, right? So, like, that's that's the great workings for a story right there. So I just don't want it to get diluted by, oh, let's go find Ezra. Like, just keep that to the Ahsoka show or Rangers of the New Republic. Like, I just, yeah. I want to get excited about new characters. So, like, again, like, let their paths cross. They, you know, they, they impacted each other. They had their, their time together meant something, mm-hmm. but then let them diverge and go in different directions. Uh, and they have their own, you know, destinies in this universe. Like, and like, maybe it's taking back the Mandalorian planet. Maybe not. Maybe they have something different in mind, but, you know, and let it mean something, but don't like say, oh, because they like these two together, let's let's you know like bend these two shows together so that now we force them them to interact again. Yeah, like you don't want it to come across like a middle schooler's fan fiction. Yeah, and and then Din Djarin uh, yeah. jumps out of the plane, and then Ahsoka comes and flies with him, and then Chewbacca comes with his bowcaster, and they all fight the Empire. Like that, that's what it almost dude, felt like. Dude. This is this will work. This, like, no, 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 no. no it's, you got to make sure that, uh, like, I feel like the writers need to be kind of insulated from what the, like, the, you know, interacting with the fans. Great, wonderful. If something is wrong, maybe let the fans tell you how to fix it. But don't let the fans dictate where the story goes. If you already had something that was, you know, a, you know, a set plan, don't let it be tampered with I, I don't know what the best way to put it. just and allow your story to be uh, to unfold the way that you uh, meant it to be told mm-hmm. I, I don't know that that's well that's and, and to me it. it all underscores the importance that Filoni absolutely needs a running mate essentially. yeah like, like he needs someone to 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 check him and John Favreau was that check in Mandalorian but when left to his own devices we get the left field. We get space wolves, we get space whales, and we now get the Bad Batch cameos. So I like F- Filoni is a Star Wars genius, and I appreciate where he has taken the series in some places. But mm-hmm. when left to his own devices, Filoni can make some baloney. Is is <laughs> on all I'm putting out there. He he needs the Favros and yeah, running mates of the world to just keep it in check. Uh, so the answer to your very short, uh, our long answer to your very short question, Daniel, is if they do just just continue the rebel storyline, my answer would be yes, I would be disappointed. 
but I'm okay if if it's done with restraint. Uh, all right, let's move on to the last question of the of the evening, and uh, th- this is an interesting one. Um, what has been the evolution of movie rentals? How have people evolved in their consumption of media and how's it had a big impact on how people are exposed to it on a regular basis? So, I mean, this is, this is kind of a, a subset question of the first question we tackled at the beginning of our season two here, Daggum nerds, which was movies versus streaming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause I mean, now it's rentals versus how, how have we seen that evolved into streaming? So what, what, yeah. how's your experience been? I grew up in the age of Blockbuster and VHS tapes. And so like it was a grand event when you know, we would go with my parents and we like they say all right you can pick out one movie and we'll rent rent it. So like they got mm-hmm. usually one for my you know if if it was lucky like we might sometimes only got one. But if we you know it was a good night we would get three and then my parents would get one, I would get one and my sister would get one. And so I was like, oh, yes. And so I'd go around and I'd find that perfect movie and then I'd like, you know, go home and, and hopefully watch it would be it, in like, stock because it was devastating when you yes. saw the cover of what you wanted, look behind it, oh. empty shelf. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so you had to find uh, like the right movie and I, that was so much fun. Like but it was also it limited the amount of time that me as a consumer had a chance to actually observe and try these different movies. Mm-hmm. Then you have, you know, move on to Netflix, which kind of like, you know, and it's no secret that they put Blockbuster into the, the ground uh, because they were literally giving people DVDs in their home. Mm-hmm. And if you decide to keep it, you just pay the difference and you got to keep it. Yep. So it's like, that's, it's a great business model because you can make sure that you maintain, you know, uh, your money while still giving people what they want. Then they transferred that to their streaming you know, service in addition to getting the DVDs in the mail. And it turned out like, man, why would I get it? want a DVD in the mail when I can just click this button and watch this entire movie and then click on this other one to watch that other whole movie? So it's like, in my mind, I feel like their people's knowledge base has really broadened when it comes to movies, TV shows, because mm-hmm. the access is there for them to enjoy all these shows that normally would never cross their radar. Can cuz say you oh, say you were, you know, only could go to a movie rental store and you would rent a movie. Well, what movies would you go to? And as a kid, did you only go to the kids section or did you find like, oh, the action adventure section, that's like the one like I can finally watch a couple of these, yeah. but you probably didn't go to the romantic comedy, maybe you didn't. No, you did, had your maybe, sections. Like like yeah. you would know your blockbuster layout and you mm-hmm. would go right to either the kids for us, it was anything sci-fi action adventure, or, I mean, this was back when you could still rent video games from blockbuster. So, I mean, there, there'd be the, oh, the yeah. video game wall. I mean, that's, that's how we first found legend of Zelda Ocarina of time. We rented it for four bucks, uh, for, you know, however long the default was for games back then, which I think was only like four days, which yeah. I mean, like renting legend of Zelda Ocarina of time, as a eight year old for four days. Yeah. We didn't even get maybe like a fourth of the way through it. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it was fun knowing the physical layout, going to your old watering holes and then seeing, all right, which movies are new. Well, because of that, I really feel that people all of a sudden have a broader, it, like somebody who only likes romantic comedies might suddenly say, Hey, 
I hadn't really thought about this particular genre, but this movie looks really good. Maybe I'll check it out. Hmm. Because if they're on a streaming service, it's like, it's right there. And so people have got, I feel like they've grown in, in like their knowledge. Because as far as when it comes to like our nerd culture, where we're like, okay, you know, Marvel has been on the rise for, you know, a decade now. And so you have so much, uh, you know, so many people now interested in this, but I don't think that would have happened if the streaming industry hadn't come along and made it more accessible, made it more accessible Hmm. because people, if they wanted to find out more about Iron Man, there might've been a streaming service that had old Iron Man TV shows Hmm. on there that people watched. And then it's like, oh, Doctor Strange came out. Like, well, who? What's this? And you know, they like might look at the the cartoons that uh, played uh, a while. Like, they had some really, really good, uh, like a Doctor Strange movie. It was animated, but it was really well done. If you haven't seen it, I say check it out. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, I'll I might mention it to to you later. But yeah, it's it's a really, really good movie. You should check it out. Um, but so I don't know. I feel like that because it's more mainstream to be able to actually just have a broad. Uh, May not make sure, just like it just have a broad uh, spectrum of what you know hmm. and the movies you're exposed to that I feel like it has helped, you know, it's like uh, you know, Marvel and DC, Star Wars, all this become a little bit more palatable to the world at large. Oh, because I mean they're now more in your face and it's a lot easier. The barrier of entry is a lot easier because it's right there along with all the other regular shows you might be watching. You know, I when I think of it from a backlog perspective, it's a lot easier now to get caught up on things that you missed. Because it'd be one thing if you're like, oh, well, you know, I don't really want to get into Marvel because I've not seen any of the other movies. Well, I mean, with Disney Plus, you've literally got the entire library right there at your disposal. You wouldn't have to go rent that movie one by one by one. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say an interesting uh, other consequence is I feel like bad, bad movies don't get watched as often. Because mm-hmm. since you can like watch the first 10 minutes and be like, this is actually awful stop and then move to the next one i mean kevin has mm-hmm. talked about this to where he's just like all right if they don't have me in the first five minutes i'm moving on to the next show whereas if you went and physically rented this thing based off of the cover you're like well i already paid for the rental i might as well finish it you know there mm-hmm. there was less of the tendency to be like eh, not as interested because then you've just wasted that rental money right yeah, exactly because uh, i remember renting some bad movies uh, there was this one that I, I, w- I need to f- see if I can find it somewhere just because, I mean, I remember cringing as a kid. I forget the name, but it was essentially Dinosaur Putt-Putt. And the whole what? story, the whole story is that this owner of a failing putt-putt course somehow inherits these miniature dinosaurs that are real. So, I mean, it's like a real Stegosaurus, a real T-Rex but they're miniaturized. It's like there's some really poorly formulated backstory to where it's like their DNA, but they were kept miniature so they could be pets and they escape. And then they sounds befriend. like that backstory was prehistoric. It, it, it was, uh, uh, it was off the scaly for sure. Uh, <laughs> so man, that was so bad. <laughs> Amber alert. Yes, was, that okay. was bad. Uh, wow. That was a bad one too. So, man, Andrew's going to pass out editing this episode. <laughs> I'm surprised he's made it this far into it. Uh, but anyway, they, they befriend the owners of this failing putt-putt course, and then through their friendship, they revitalize it. And, like, at the end of the movie, the dinosaurs, like, help them put on a tournament, and everyone thinks it's amazing because these dinosaur miniatures look so real, but huh, they actually are. And then, funnily enough, there was, like, four of these 
Like somehow mm-hmm. they had, they made enough money to make a second and a third one. But I mean, the whole reason we watched the whole thing was it's like, well, we rented it. Might as well finish it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'd be curious what the stats of uh, popcorning bad movies is on something like a Netflix where someone, you know, they get 10 minutes in and go, this is actually awful. And then move on to the next. That would be an interesting statistic to find uh, because I hadn't thought about that till you mentioned it. Yeah. Um, I know that I, I tend to like to, unless it's just awful, awful. I like to try to watch a movie through to the end just because like, okay, if like maybe it's bad in the beginning and then it gets better. And then it gets better. Like give it a chance. I'm, I am like the nicest movie critic you will ever see. But if you, you know, like, if you are truly bad, I will let people know. Like, cause it, I remember watching, paying my dollar to see, uh, uh, Avatar, the last airbender M. Night Shyamalan take. <laughs> and oh, I'm pretty sure I overpaid. Poor, poor Spencer. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the one time you're like, I want my dollar back. <laughs> yeah. And like, I go to my friends and we're just like watching. It's like, I, I'm, I'm waiting for it to get better. I'm really waiting for them to figure out that acting is, you know, you, you use your whole face instead of just, you know, you moved your mouth. Ma- and anyways, it, it was an entire thing. But I'm a very, so when I watched the movie, I would really enjoy just, it's like, okay, I'll watch it and see how it goes and it'll be fine. I'm, it's, it'll be fine, whatever. But I don't know. I think that finding out how many people are just not as appreciative or as I am for a movie that could potentially be bad is like, nope. Move it on, move on, and I bet you Netflix tracks that and sees like, hmm. what do we need to do to keep people interested in watching, and try to figure out how to increase their watch time. And they tell their people, you gotta do this, you gotta catch people in that first little bit. No, I mean I'm sure it's out there. Um, j- just real quick, I looked up the title of that that uh, dinosaur movie. It's called Prehysteria Three. Prehysteria so Three. I, I don't think I can make a joke about that, and I'm still pretty sure it just. Uh, rags on itself well I, I mean like the the name itself is a pun prehysteria and i'm now laughing because i'm like wow i watched the third one i never i i didn't i thought that was the first one apparently there was two other movies before this and this is this one only has a 3.6 on imdb so i cringe to you, think you what should, the rotten tomato rating is you you should definitely check out the three ninjas because i'm not sure if it's much better but it's it's a, a much more entertaining uh basically three kids who are trained by their uncle to be ninjas. And yes, it's as wacky as it sounds. And I enjoyed it so much when I was five. So huh. there's like three of them. And the third one has Hulk Hogan in it. So if that tells you anything. Well, the movie was originally called Six Ninjas, but they couldn't find the other three because they were really good ninjas. So, well, you know, see, the, the best ninjas never actually make it into the film. That's that's the problem. That's true. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that was our Mind Your P's and Q's special Q&A episode. So, hey, thanks to all of our patrons who submitted questions in this last minute edition uh, of the show. And uh, thank you, Spencer, for joining. So we will end with closing thoughts and pun count right after this. All right. So, Spencer, what was it like being in the hot seat for the second time? It was interesting. And just having you and I bouncing ideas off of was different, but I I liked it. I feel like it was like a lot of different questions and a lot of you know, different avenues to kind of go down. I, this is really fun. Yeah, well, you, you kind of got a brief glimpse into how much fun we have with our regular Q&A episodes when any fan can submit a question. I, uh, I definitely enjoyed the, the penultimate question there on uh, The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we turned it into the pun ultimate one. <laughs> well, of course. I mean, otherwise it wouldn't be... 
I will say that I'm going to be looking into some of those board games you suggested at the beginning because I think that would be a lot of fun. Hey, check out Dominion. Check out Dominion, and when you buy your own set, uh, bring it to me and let's play. Because sad story, sad follow up to Dominion is oh. that case. That 32 pound case was actually probably worth several thousand dollars at that point. It was stolen. <laughs> no. Yes. So I oh. took it. I took it to this event. And a bunch of us went out and uh, the place where we were staying was not locked. And when we got oh, back, no. it was missing along with like a DVD player and a printer. And I'm going, all right, I understand the DVD player and a printer. They left the TV, by the way, which is I'm like, OK, maybe they just didn't have the tools Too to dismount it. And that must have been it. You know, there's just quick. But I'm like, did they think it had like money or something in it because it was like so heavy Cause it, cause like when you rattled it, it did sound like there was coins cause it had little coin tokens for different game types. So I'm like, but like who opens it and goes, Oh my gosh, it's an alphabetized case of dominion. This is exactly what I'm looking for. Is it, he's like, dude, dude, check this out. This guy's got dominion. Okay. okay we he's go. got dominion alphabetized, man. Let's get out of here. This huge score. Uh, but uh, yeah, so sad day. Uh, now it wasn't uh, it wasn't thousands, but it was easily a couple of hundred of dollars were sunk into that thing. Um, so if you're out there, please return it. I'll play it with you, please. I'll play Dominion with you. If you uh, get a call, this is um, hi. I stole your Dominion set. I'm real sorry about that. Um, uh, it's I just it save it for like definitely mention it on the podcast because I want to know the end of that story. <laughs> Well, well, we'll post it to our Discord. Missing, please go. return, reward. <laughs> One providence, a gold. That's the currency in it. Uh, but uh, yeah, well, thank, thank you, Spencer, for rising to the call as a true believer and uh, filling the shoes of the dads tonight. So we appreciate it. And uh, hey, if you liked what you heard, follow, like, subscribe, or be like Spencer and join our patron program. I mean, it's fun on the inside, <laughs> right? Right. Oh, it, oh, it's a lot of fun. fun. I, every day I'm like asking a question either on the Discord or something. Uh, something's like, hey, hey guys, have you thought about this? And Or you know, just being able to submit questions to y'all. It's like, hey guys, you should totally try this out for you know an, an episode. And like sometimes you know you think, oh, that's awesome. So I'm like, no, no, that's stupid. And slap me down. You say like, no, like don't answer. Ever ask us? No, no, you don't. You don't do that. You're good guys. But yeah, and I really enjoy being a true believer. And I want to see you guys you know, keep going. This is an awesome podcast. Hey, well, you can even join in on the fun at the Padawan level. So for the small price of a Dunkin' Donuts coffee, it's not even as expensive as a Starbucks coffee. You, you could become our mid-tier Jedi Knight level, you know, at, at mid-tier for a Starbucks coffee. But hey, check us out. We'd love to have you along. Leave us comments on the YouTube page. We want to hear from you. All right. So Spencer, time for the pun count for this episode. Oh, let, let, right. let me know. We've, been, we we've been waiting for this one. So... You know, we didn't we didn't uh, we didn't quite rise to your first appearance uh, when we set the all time Dagum Nerds record, but we had a respectable showing. We hit twenty puns this episode. 20, okay, I can live with twenty puns. Hey, anytime we make it into the twenties, I'm a happy man. So, uh, and, and especially with the rapid fireness in some of those sections, we hope that poor Andrew's ears will stop bleeding <laughs> by this point <laughs> in the in the uh, the episode. But, uh, it's fine. He's got children. He's used to screaming. No, this is true. This is true. Well, everyone, thank you again so much for joining, and we will catch you later, Dagum nerds. Bye bye. Game over.